the team that you assemble, the team that you're around. And I think as you're thinking about you know, your 2023 plans and you're thinking about all these different things that you can do, don't lose track of investing in your people. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by SageMark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time consuming. At SageMark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at SageMark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. Today, I have a fun conversation with my friend, Matt Reimer. Matt is currently the Director of TA at Trinity Health. On the side, he also does some consulting and hosts the podcast TA in the trenches. So Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Excited for this conversation. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So let's start out and just kind of get into your background a little bit. Um, It's always interesting uh, with folks like us in the TA space, like how you got started in talent acquisition, kind of how that started and kind of some of the things that you've done leading up to your current role. Sure. Yeah, so I'm probably like half of uh, the rest of the TA land here where I fell into recruitment. So uh, I graduated from Penn State with a marketing degree and actually had a uh, what I thought to be like a good marketing analyst uh, role set up for me in uh, New York City. It fell through at the last minute and uh, I was basically headed back home to uh, Pittsburgh, Northern Pittsburgh, actually where I'm from with no job. And so I was kind of looking for jobs and that point in time, like this was like pre twenty or two uh, thousands, and so I um, uh, stumbled into uh, a staffing firm, Tech Systems, part of the Allegis Group, and I really got my start there. I still, to this day, say that it was pound for pound like the most important, informative training for me from a recruitment perspective. It taught me a lot about communication and sourcing, and and just really a lot of like base level tools that that I still carry with me here today. Opportunity uh, came for me to uh, slide over to a health system. Uh, at that point in time, it was a fast-growing health system here in Pittsburgh uh, called UPMC, the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. So I started there as actually their IT recruiter. So they had a little bit of a staffing challenge for their IT function as it was building and scaling out. And then I stayed there 17 years. You know, I uh, had the wonderful uh, opportunity inside of that organization to do really a lot of different things from a talent acquisition perspective, evolved like what I was recruiting for from, you know, technical folks into clinical folks, you know, had a stint as an HR consultant, as an HR generalist, but ended up and really landed in uh, a COE there. We're trying to build out a central talent acquisition function 
And uh, really the, the last part of my tenure there was about bringing a COE to life. And then I left there as the VP of TA running a team of 150 or so back in 2019. When the time came to, to kind of move on from UPMC and, and uh, kind of got a, an entrepreneurial spirit about me, um, my, my wife owns a small business, small staffing business. And so we, uh, we were working on that. I uh, decided I wanted to do a little bit of consulting, ran into a good industry friend of mine, David Zari. And David at that time was the uh, interim head of talent acquisition at Trinity Health. This was like right pre-pandemic. And he had a couple of uh, opportunities inside of that ecosystem up in New England to kind of help with a team that needed some leadership kind of in a pinch. And uh, I've been there ever since. And so I really enjoy kind of the healthcare niche, the healthcare space. And uh, right now I'm, I'm working in Trinity Health's uh, COE, kind of working on some of their larger scale projects that they've got going on. I've got a, uh, a referral uh, platform project that we delivered back in May that we're working to scale up. We're doing some tech work uh, like you and I've been talking a little bit about and kind of right now focused on kind of core operations stuff. And so, yeah, it's a little bit about me. And again, uh, here in Pittsburgh, probably more importantly, I've got uh, two girls. So trying to figure out how to be a girl dad along the way. So I got a 14 year old and 11 year old and it's uh, not yet snowing here as we tape this in uh, November, but a big time skier. So I'm looking forward to some snow here soon. Ah, that's great. Thanks for the detailed uh, background. That's, that's awesome. And uh, love your background. Obviously, we talk a lot and uh, have a lot in common, but love the experience both kind of externally as you started out with Allegis Group or Division of Allegis Group and then going inside organizations and being a recruiter inside, outside, growing up to you know executive leadership, building out COEs, all of those types of things are I mean, just excellent experience and help you be the great leader that you are today. So so thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it and appreciate your background and your expertise. As you start looking at, so Trinity, share a little bit more about Trinity, kind of size, scope, kind of types of kind of how many roles that you deliver in a year. And then if you wouldn't mind, share a little more on kind of the all the initiatives that you've done kind of over these last few years. You touched on it a little bit, just kind of go into that a little bit for the audience. That'd be great. Yeah, so Trinity Health is the fifth largest health system in the U.S. And so 120,000 employees really coast to coast. And we like, uh, you know, many large health systems at that size and scale. We're filling externally this year, probably 30, 35,000 jobs uh, externally, just bringing in new talent. That's not even counting the the amount of uh, transfers that we're moving around the organization. So very large, you know, recruitment deployment much bigger than actually what I what uh, had worked on at UPMC. And so big sourcing function, you know, TAPS, uh, talent acquisition professionals, you know, the TA team as a whole, uh, probably is almost near 300 professionals coast to coast. And so working, you know, really with, you know, David and the senior leadership team, which as David, uh, sorry, who I'd mentioned earlier, our uh, VP of TA is transitioning out. We're at a little bit of a, I don't want to use the word crossroads, we're at a point kind of in our COE's evolution where we're working to kind of level up on a few things that, that foundationally David has brought us. And so that's kind of the focus that we've got over the last few months and then really where we're, where we're headed forward, headed uh, next. Foundationally, and we kind of talk about what Trinity's focused on, it's all about capacity and demand. And so the demand for our services just like any other healthcare organization right now, is super high. Turnover is certainly a challenge, and the supply side challenges in 
the clinical environment are, you know, they're well documented. I mean, folks know that we've got a nursing supply side issue. And so all of our initiatives that we've got deployed right now are aimed at either finding ways to make our talent acquisition function more effective, creating hiring velocity through our funnel, or untapping into maybe the supply side areas that we haven't effectively tapped to in the past, aka the referral program, which we can talk a little bit about, or growing our own, right? And so we are trying to point uh, more energy, more time, more investment into the ability for us to bring good talent in that have good behavioral traits. They have the Trinity core kind of cultural DNA, but then helping them find themselves on a path, clinically speaking, into those nursing positions over time. And so um, I think when we think about like more to be more specific about some of the initiatives that we're focused on, we've talked about the referral program, which was, you know, something that we have been focused on. The that program really is designed to take us from having, let's say, like 10% of our hires coming from referrals to over the next three years, our big, hairy, audacious goal is to have half of our external hires coming from referrals. Um, and so that's a mixture of like program design. And so kind of how we're spending our referral dollars, how we are incenting and engaging our employees to get involved in recruitment at that level of scale. And then also technology. Uh, we engage with a platform called AaronApp. Uh, they're actually out of Pittsburgh as well. Great a company that we have a strong relationship with. They've got a deep integration into, into Workday. So in addition to kind of the platform that's carrying the load from a referral experience, we also have some really nice automation on things like referral payouts on the back end to kind of take out that laborious process on a program that size and scale. Some of the things that kind of we also are, are very focused on is elevating up our data program. And so kind of continuing to dig deeper on kind of where our opportunities for improvement lie within some of our leading KPIs. And so our data program does a great job of showing kind of the lagging KPIs, the fills, the hires, the openings, that type of thing. But right now we're rooting around in really some of that deeper data, time in stage, you know, how long is it taking to get from the moment that an applicant drops to the time that they're in a, on a hiring manager interview, those types of things, just to really kind of understand our operations at a, at a deeper level. You know, I guess some of the other things that we're also working on, uh, we've got a, a good relationship with, uh, you know, our CRM provider, um, but we're always looking to kind of understand the value that that's creating, some of the user adoption that exists within that particular relationship, and kind of understanding if, if we're deployed right in the market. Is, are we getting the reach in the market to fill up the funnel that we need to fill up to fill these 30, 40,000 jobs that we've got annually? So I don't know, that's yeah. just a taste. I don't know if that kind of answers your question, but that's just some of the things that we're working on and thinking about right now. No, I think that's great. And I think you brought up three areas that we could probably spend an hour on each of those if we yeah, wanted sure. to dive into them. But I think just touching on them, absolutely critical elements um, to a successful delivery model. I think it's interesting. People have known about and played around with employee referral programs for ages. I mm -hmm. think there, there was a time there where they were starting to get um, some optimization around the tech support in the market that some things happened and it kind of went away a little bit. And it's kind of been not as front and center as it had historically. I think it's really smart and organizations need to focus on that, especially with the shortage and things like that, because of it really hits on three areas, right? It, like, so it helps increase your pipeline. It helps get convert a high converting candidate pools. 
It also drives retention. So you improve your quality, your conversion through the process, your retention out the back end. But in order to enable it, you need good technology, good process, good backend system. So it doesn't become an overwhelming administrative nightmare for your organization and takes it down before you can get get any of the results. So yeah, going through that, I think that's really important. I love the work that you're doing from the perspective of data and analytics and reporting. I think it's it's really smart starting to get into some of, you know, from the lagging indicators, tell you kind of how you've done and then starting to get into those leading indicators help you drive the organization forward. And we've talked about the CRM space right now. It's We interact with a lot of different clients and, mm-hmm. and a lot of different solutions in the market. It's a really painful space right now. Everybody, I always joke and say, hey, in HR, we know how to, historically, we've only known how to buy things with three letters in them, ATSs and CRMs. Yeah, and that's yeah, kind of yeah, where yeah, it yeah. starts and stops and it's everyone's playbook. But they're all of the options in both ATS and CRM are really labor intensive to get the value out. And when you've got other transactions and volume and capacity issues and pipeline issues and all these things, it's really difficult for people to get the value. And so I'm cautiously optimistic the CRM and the providers in the network are listening to the noise that's out there and the frustration from their client base. And they're going to start working more on automation and what their clients actually need. And I'm starting to see other people design around that a little bit. So, I mean, all of yeah. those things are really relevant topics and issues. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate you bringing them up and yeah, let me know if there's other things that you want to dive into there. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that referral one is is at the top of our list from a, a strategy perspective. You, you listed off three important outcomes the fourth one for us, though, is is really trying to engage our colleagues in helping us to recruit the next generation of talent. And so to do that, though, and some of the things that we're learning as we work to scale that program, you know, you've got to have a really strong, like, what's in it for me type of reasoning, number one. Number two, we're also learning, you know, just as we scale that program, how important that new hire persona is. And so, yes, we got 120,000 employees. I would love to have 120,000 employees on my platform referring talent tomorrow. But the reality is, is that those 30 or 40,000 new hires that we're bringing in each year are coming from organizations that they already have networks established and they're, they're more readily available to bring the talent to you. And so I think really trying to understand how to engage new hires quickly And uh, frankly, kind of leveraging some of their networks and building trust within that program is a real opportunity. And so we get excited about that when we think about, you know, where we're spending, you know, certainly our time and energy. I think that, you know, you bring up a good point about, you know, really recruitment marketing. And I was having this conversation actually over the course of this week. And David, who I'd mentioned, we were in a meeting and we started, you know, and this is kind of data kind of marketing. We started to really want to dig in and understand you know, from a database perspective, like what are net new ads annually? And so, yeah, we go out and we tell our customer base and we're getting you know, thousands of applications a year. Well, that's great. But what percentage of those are applications that were not existing already in our database, right? And, and so I think it's insights like that, that I think at some level, the CRM providers, the folks that are helping you to carry the top of the funnel need to be able to educate you on pretty readily and help you understand whether or not that marketing deployment that you have, that you're investing a lot of time and energy in, is actually doing what you need it to do, which is to deliver net new ads to your database. And so 
I think that as you know, a lot of organizations have grown, they end up with these very large databases of information, resumes, profiles that I think the idea is, is that eh, if I get a CRM solution or maybe I get a good user interface over top of this database that we can fabricate the human time that's necessary to go mine it and then to pull out these purple squirrels or to pull out these little gold nuggets. And I think what I'm learning here just as time goes on is that that idea, I don't want to say that that's the wrong idea, but I don't know how well that actually scales. And so you know, the other thing that we're talking a lot about inside of Trinity Health right now is just that as AI and air quotes, machine learning, as legit players hit the market, legit machine learning, the idea of adopting some of that in certain pieces of our tech stack, specifically this idea of recycling talent that's in the database is really a big idea. And I don't think a lot of folks in, in healthcare TA land right now are doing that. I don't know. And I'd be interested to hear from you that, you know, if there are other parts of the industry, maybe in, you know, other verticals that actually are doing that and doing that well. But I don't see that a lot in healthcare just yet. No, I, I mean, I don't see it as much as I would like to. I wouldn't say it's industry specific what we see. I think it's more, I would say it's it's leader and organizational specific. Mm. So so I would say highly strategic leaders that are thinking the way that you're thinking are driving those types of actions at a particular organization versus an industry doing that. I personally think with the clients we work with, we talk about it a lot. I see all the time a tremendous amount of almost like waste in the process, right? Of like constantly posting and recruitment marketing their way to build pipelines when they've got, in some cases, millions of candidates mm -hmm. um, who have engaged at some point, they go untouched, not because they don't understand that they're there, but because of how painful and manual it is to get at those profiles and look at them and source through them, where in some cases they feel like it's, it's just easier to start yeah. net new. Your point mm -hmm. around net new is really interesting because I agree, when you've got millions and millions of profiles in your CRM, ATS, and you're doing sourcing, there's a tremendous amount or a high percentage, I think, that are already there. But they Serial know, applicants, they're just applying yeah, they, to they know it's easier. Just they, they know that you're not going in and looking at them because they've already yeah. applied. So they'll just keep applying to everything. It's a big opportunity because you're right. There are solutions on the market today and there are tech stacks and workflow designs that can automate and enable going in matching or identifying those candidates that are already interested in your organization, extracting them, communicating with them, bringing them to application, getting them scheduled, doing all this um, where the recruiter doesn't have to do much. And just like we talked about with the referral programs, like the whole thing is you want to get engaged candidates because they're higher converting through the process. Yeah. You don't have the drop off. They stay longer. They're more interested. They're more engaged. So those previous applicants or people who've already done the research and ex expressed interest are going to convert at significantly higher rates than just the cold outreach candidates. Yeah. So it's a, it's a way higher value add kind of engagement to do. So yeah, it's definitely yeah, interesting. I, really I would love to see more people do it. Yeah, I would too. And you know, like I think that at some level, like there's probably a fear of call it AI, just even the, I was talking to our head of, uh, new head of TA, Reese, uh, here this morning a little bit about just 
this idea that like it's so new it almost seems like it's like magical or something and so and i think there's been some false starts unfortunately because of the you know just the technology and maybe how it's evolving but i do think that we're coming upon a time just in in the evolution of machine learning itself that it is going to be a very very useful kind of tool for us in, in in talent acquisition moving forward i think that like if you're standing in the future 5 years from now looking backward this conversation is probably going to seem pretty jv you know in that perspective where maybe at that point in time half of the recruiters in the land believe they have some type of AI assistant helping them with their workflows. I don't think that this actually replaces much of anything as I've been studying it and thinking about it of value that a recruiter creates. Actually, what I think it allows us to do is to then point our time and energy towards employee value proposition of our organization, towards workforce development programs, towards in the moments that we need it desperately in those moments more personal touch at the right moments. And so having a recruiter need to go mine a database. Now think about that. Having a recruiter needing to go mine a database to deliver me talent uh, that I've already paid for. I've already bought that lead somehow, right? Like I've paid for it on LinkedIn or my website generated or whatever. But to have a human have to go find that and then just in time, like just in the, the moment that I need it, display it to me is probably going to be a legacy thought five years looking backwards. And so I am excited about where it's going. I think, unfortunately, what you find yourself in, in a lot of these large organizations is maybe even some technology fatigue, you know, meaning like, hey, I went and bought this ATS or, hey, we deployed this big HR system and I got the ATS with it. Shouldn't the ATS do this stuff? Like, shouldn't I already be able to do this stuff? And you know, I think what I'm learning is as I interact with folks like you and other industry thought leaders is that, nah, it probably is not going to do that, at least in the near term, right? Maybe they go buy some of this type. So you're going to have to have, in essence, an open ecosystem and be willing to hopefully without destroying the recruiter's experience, right? Which is, I think, the balance that we're trying to, to navigate here give them some of this next generation weapons to use in their day to day. So I, I don't know, but that's how I look at yeah. it. Yeah. You said a lot of things there that hundred percent aligned with again, like I agree, no one is going to like get where they need to go through their ATS. It's just, not, or even insert CRM there too. It's just mm -hmm. not the path to success and won't be in the future because because of the way they're designed, because of the way they're investing, because of the, like what the nature is. And it is, it is driven off of recruiter experience. And I agree, AI and machine learning, we're starting to see the real benefits of that. But in, mm -hmm. in the future, the value proposition for it is not to replace recruiters per se, it's to replace the lower value transactional elements that are bogging down recruiters and organizations to get the right people yeah. in front of the right people and make good hiring decisions. And it's all these transactions and the stops and starts and the waits and the errors and all of that stuff that's ruining the experience for all the stakeholders. And so if you leverage the technology to automate those transactions at infinite scale 24 seven, mm -hmm. and then suddenly free up all the recruiting resources to add strategic value where they're high, every interaction that they're doing on a daily basis is much higher value, interacting with the best candidates and building rapport and educating them on the opportunity, helping to bring that to the hiring managers and educating them on these clients and, and doing data analytics on the marketplace. 
and all of those types of things that are talking about the at the EVP, like you said, like all those things are so much higher value than like mm-hmm. scheduling an interview or reviewing a thousand applicants or like right. all these minute transactions. And recruiter, like I'm a firm believer, recruiter experience drives everything in your organization. Yeah. If you got an awful recruiter experience and you're making them slog through a cumbersome process that has no is not tech enabled and is just frustrating every single day. You will not have a good candidate experience, hiring manager experience, or get the best people in your organization. Yeah. It drives everything. I totally agree with that. And, and I think it's something that just even over the, over the years of working on these large systems, I, I'll be honest, like I've struggled with just from a pure interface perspective. Most recruiters that you talk to, right, they would say like, hey, I would love to be able to work out of one interface primarily. I have a primary interface that I work out of. Reality is, is when you stack up for most recruiters, the interfaces that they're interacting out of, it's probably four or five or more just to get their day-to-day done. Jumping from a background system to CRM, maybe that they're playing around in, to their ATS, to some approval engine that you've built internally or whatever, to email, which is an interface, right? They're in their email, to LinkedIn, whatever their sourcing tools are, right? And I don't know that you'll ever get there, but I think the thing that you've got to really hone your mind in on is that time is time is the Uh only resource that is not infinite in nature. And so you said an important thing, what this technology allows for at the right spots is an infinite level of scaling at all hours of the day. A human only has so much time and energy that it can give to, you know, one mission, one cause or whatever day in and day out. And the reality of what happens in a lot of these organizations, especially as the supply side crunches, is what needs to happen more than anything is that the recruiter's time and excellence and experience and communication ability needs to be deployed on sourcing and generating net new. But the reality is, is none of their time is spent on that or very little of their time is spent on it. And it's all spent on handling the transactions to get somebody to an offer. And then in a worst case scenario, getting somebody from an offer, a recruiter's handling this, the whole way to being here day one, right? That could be some recruiter's experiences as, as they're listening to this. And so like to the point of like, what is the real opportunity here? I think it's the release of pent up time that exists to get after sourcing, to get after getting into the community, which is where your business wants you to get after time to use your brain to think, to help build some programs that maybe are feeders for other things, right? And so I don't think that that's too far of a leap. Like I don't see that as a massive leap. I actually see it as a pretty easy step, you know, with some smart design inside of most organizations. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it It's available now and we're seeing it happen. We're working with organizations all the time that are Mm -hmm. doing this and enabling that and freeing things up. I just worked with an organization that took their time from posting a job to the first hiring manager interview from an average of like 17 days that was taking down to like 40 hours. So less than two days is what they're averaging now. And it's tech enabled stack that integrates with their ATS and automates a lot of those transactions, like it's available and can be done today. I think one of the biggest headwinds people face, unfortunately, is understanding it, being confident that it can deliver 
and yeah. getting buy-in from an organization who their organizations, they don't understand. Like they, they only understand traditional models of ATS, CRM, yeah. armies of armies of people doing things. The only way we yeah. scale is spend more on ads or add more heads. And like, that's what we do. I, that's all I get. So the tech can be scary. And you know, the tech industry doesn't do itself any favors with Agreed. how much they sell and oversell and spam. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's wrought with disappointment, man. I mean, we've all lived in it, right? So you got to get the right things, the right stack, the right process, all of those things to be able to deliver that. But it exists today. And you've got to, as TA leaders, we've never had a greater opportunity ever totally. to add business value. It's just the stand yeah. on the desk moment. Make this happen because it's amazing business value. Yeah. And if you swim upstream, and I actually think I wrote a post about this a few weeks back, if you swim upstream and think about what happened upstream a few years back is that a ton, and I, you know, I'm going to use the word ton because I actually don't know what the number is, but a ton of money was pushed into the talent space to build technology. Now, some of that okay. money is going to be totally wasted, right? That's just the way this type of thing works. But the outcome of that is there are and you and I sat and talked at you know HR Tech, and we spent some time with the vendors when we were there, hanging out, um, you know, back in whenever that was, September, October. But it was almost overwhelming to walk through the exhibit hall there and see all the different solutions. I mean, and just how it was organized. Like it just it felt overwhelming to me to figure out who inside of this building is legit. And who are the ones that really are spending their time building the right solution and product and what is vaporware, right? Like that's that's hard to figure out. But I guess where, you know, where I was headed with this is that I think that what, especially as we think about AI and automation, just like the CRM, like, and I reflect on this, is that somebody along the way, and it was actually, it was uh, Peter Clare and the guys over at Telemetry, they taught me that I needed a CRM. Now, whether or not that was a good idea on my part or not, but like somebody has to teach us, teach the industry at some level to your point and kind of like create that understanding that I need this or create this understanding that this thing has real value in it. And I just don't think that the industry as a whole has done that yet. I think the industry and the main players in the industry right now are so focused on their product that they haven't stepped up to that like philosophical level to where they can kind of pull the whole industry along. I'm sure it's coming, but like it's just hard to take somebody that doesn't understand fundamentally what machine learning is and how machine learning is or isn't AI, what is real AI, and then sit down and have that conversation with your CHRO. Right. Yeah. That, that's a hard CHRO lobs one back. What do you mean by AI? What is it? What does it do? You right. know, how does it actually work? Is it safe? Like I heard about all these scandals where AI created all of these negative outcomes, right? Am I going to be on the paper someday for using AI or whatever? Like those are the baseline level of understanding that I think we all need to get educated on. Yeah. And I mean, I'm optimistic that we can get there. Unfortunately, it's it, it tends to be slow and it tends to be slow in the function that we sit in. Unfortunately, it's like last to the party and we'll do our best to make to, to speed that up. But that's reality. I, you know, you mentioned our time at HR Tech, like I've got this love hate relationship with HR Tech. It's like my favorite week of the year. And it often my most frustrating. I've got this burning like client service thing, like everything is around 
the clients that we serve. And I'm a TA professional at heart. And that's my community. That's my people. And I go in there and geek out. I'm in the space all day, every day, and know these vendors and can do a pretty effective job betting who's for real, who's not for real, what the right use case is, what the value proposition is for the clients. But just walking into that expo, if you're in TA today or HR today, and your head's down trying to deliver for your organization, putting out fires, responding to noise, and you walk into that expo, it's absolutely ridiculous and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And people are selling like crazy. And you're like, biggest booth must be the best solution. I don't know. Yeah, like, right. right? It's just like, it's obscene and there's no rhyme or reason to who's where. Yeah, it needs to be organized like a grocery store, in my yeah. opinion. So like, so I can walk down an aisle and understand yeah. at some level. Yeah, you're right. There's no design to something like that either. You stumble into, you know, at some level. Yeah. It's not for the, it's, it's not, <laughs> not designed for the client value and to get, uh, help them be successful. I think like, well, like you and I walked it and I was like, all right, let's navigate this together. Yeah. Let me show you. Let's go over here and yeah, do this. And like, things, yeah. I'm thinking about doing that in the future because it's just yeah. like, I had so many people come up to me and like, man, this is incredible. I can't believe the amount of money spent here and yeah. completely overwhelming. Like I, yeah. and, and it's like, that it's the tech is there, the right tech to get people where they want to go is there mm -hmm. and starting to get more prevalent. The ability for individuals to navigate that on their own, understand what they should do, and like that speed to value, like how can I identify them, get engaged, solution design, contract, execute value? Like that tale is so long right now and yeah. so complex, and so many mistakes are happening. And so I guess that's my charge, but I'm trying to make my own little dent there is like, how do I make this easier and get people yeah. like feed to value, get them hooked up with the right people, yeah. the right solutions, get it, get the value out there. But it's a long tail right now and it's hard. Yeah. yeah and that's, you know, in healthcare today, I mean, that's the challenge. And uh, I, you know, I have this uh, little podcast that we started here over the back half of uh, the end of the year where we're interviewing and talking to basically TA leaders in healthcare. And most TA leaders that you talk to, I mean, they have the same three issues. And to your point, if they're going to put the chips on some idea, because what we're doing today isn't working to get the vacancy rates under control, under their operation, get their relationships with the business tight to where the business is like, all right, this is what I expect out of a TA function. It's innovating, bringing me creative solutions or whatever. Those evolutions in long, large organizations and in most organizations, to your point, they take quarters, halves right. of years, years right. sometimes. And the reality is, is the pain right now in healthcare is so specific and so acute that you've got to have solutions in weeks and months terms. I think that there is friction there, especially in healthcare right now, to do some things differently. And so I, I would say for most leaders, at least in healthcare, I'd say the window's open, you know, so... Yeah, no, I agree. Well, yeah, it's a fun conversation. Yeah. We could go on for hours. Uh, sure. Respect the time here. Like, so last uh, question I'm going to ask you is we've shared a lot during the course of this podcast, but mm -hmm. I always like to leave people with what's a piece of advice that you would give others in the space? Either something that's resonated with you through your career, something you routinely tell your teams, or just any other advice that, that you'd like to share with others to help, yeah. help the, the broader uh, TA community. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about technology and process, but, but really for me, I'm a people first leader. And so, you know, I think that nothing happens. None of what we're talking happens without 
the team that you assemble, the team that you're around. And I think as you're thinking about, you know, your 2023 plans and you're thinking about all these different things that you can do, don't lose track of investing in your people, right? Their competency, their learning, their development and listening to what those needs are. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up in these, you know, bigger conversations that we've got and we got, we know we got these big plans, but the reality is, is that you still have a team. If we're talking to recruitment leaders, you know, you still have a team that is reliant on you, regardless of what you're planning to do, to help you out in that moment, that day, that minute. And so I just challenge everybody to put people first and to work out from there. And so, you know, I think that's just, you know, some advice that I um, kind of live by. I think that off of that one, oftentimes, and so this isn't more for the, this is not for the, no, this is probably for everybody, is that kind of along those same lines, you as an individual have to continue to take ownership of your own development. And so you can't rely on the leader, right? Like I'm challenging leaders to lead authentically, develop and care for the people, you know, that type of thing. But when you find yourself in a situation where you're not learning something new every day, get out of that situation as fast as you can. And the reason is, is that that situation that you're finding yourself in is it is costing you more money than it is worth for you to stay in that situation. Okay. And so I feel very lucky and blessed that you know, in the opportunities that I've been in, I'm always learning something new each and every day. But if you start to string weeks and months and, and years together where you're not feeling like you're getting in something that's nourishing your development and creating uh, new knowledge for you that you can lever, you're going to quickly find yourself, you know, left behind. And I think that things evolve so rapidly, like the conversation that we're having here today, that if you're not sharp and you're not aggressively seeking new knowledge, find a situation where you can. So. That's really, really great advice. So, so Matt, you're the best. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing your time. So thanks a lot for joining me today. Yeah, sure. I appreciate the show. And we'll have to pick up this conversation over in the trenches sometime. So there you go. Anytime, my friend. All right. (laughs) Take it easy. See you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.